who have come a little bit early, we love to share a word from the Lord. Uh, And this week we're going to be talking about uh, a parable that Jesus shared in the seventh chapter of the book of Mark. So let me just pray real quick and ask the Lord to bless our learning. And uh, you had a question? our heads together. Almighty God, we are grateful for your power. We know that you are good and that there is nothing that can stand against you. Even our sickness and our injuries, Lord God, you can overcome those things. And so, Father, we pray that it be your will that Cecilia would recover quickly, Lord, that her eyes and her her heart would be fixed upon Jesus as her living hope. We pray, God, that, uh, Father, for anybody else who's hurting this morning or knows someone near to them that is struggling or having a difficult time with their health or with other circumstances in life, turn our eyes to you, God. Let us remember that you are the great one, that you can heal. And we pray, Father God, that as we learn from this word together this morning, that you would bless our understanding, God, that you would open our eyes, give us ears to hear the truth. But Father, we don't want to just learn. We also want to be changed. So bless us with hearts that are willing to respond to this word in obedience. Help us to trust you for the strength we need uh, to be a people who pursues holiness. We're grateful for you, God. Thank you for this day. Keep us near to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in the book of Mark, everyone. And um, last week we were in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to bounce back to that just briefly. But we're going to be in the book of Mark primarily today. So if you have a Bible, if you've got one on your phone, if you want to open up to Mark chapter 7, you can follow along. But starting in verse 14 of Mark 7. It's speaking of Jesus' actions and how he was ministering to the people. And it says here that Jesus called the people to him again. And he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. All right, so... Think about the way that Jesus approaches them, right? He gathers them together. But but think about those words. He's showing the urgency of his message. Because when he gathers them together, he says, Hear me, all of you. So this was not just a message to a couple of folks. This wasn't just a message to that one person in the crowd that he knew needed to hear. It was a message for everyone to hear. But not only just to hear, but to understand. He says, Hear me, all of you, and understand. So this is of urgent importance. There is something that the people do not understand. There's something that they're confused about. And so he's trying to bring a great clarity to them. Knowledge from God is always good for us. And so Jesus is bringing some of that knowledge from the Lord and he's distributing it to the people to dispel their confusions, to make them see clearly and to understand what God wants. And then he says, there is nothing outside of a person that can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Now, we know that early in Jesus' ministry, the vast majority of the people that came to hear him were Jewish people. They came from a Jewish background. They were very familiar with the Old Testament scriptures. They were trying their best to follow the laws of Moses and to be pleasing to the Lord. So why would it maybe have been confusing to them 
to hear Jesus say, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what is inside of the man that defiles him, what comes out of his heart. Why would that have been confusing? Well, it would have been confusing because you might remember that because the Israelites, the Jewish people, were a special people for God, and he intended to use them to show who he was to the world, he had given them laws. He had given them the Ten Commandments, but then he had given them all the various laws in the book of Leviticus and Numbers that was designed to help them stand out and be a special people so that they would look different from the rest of the world. And some of those laws said that there are certain foods that you're not supposed to eat. What were some foods that the Israelites were not supposed to eat? Does anybody remember? They weren't supposed to eat any pig products, right? So my beloved bacon was off limits for the Jewish people. They weren't supposed to eat shellfish. They weren't supposed to eat certain animals that had a split hoof. There was a, 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 a long list of different types of foods that the Jewish people were not supposed to eat. And those who practice Judaism today still don't eat those foods. They only eat foods which they call kosher foods, and that means they're pure, they are clean, they're undefiled. So the Israelites had this idea that the thing that corrupted them was the wrong foods. If you ate the wrong foods, that would make you a wicked person. But it it went beyond food, too. We often tend to think that the reason our lives are difficult, the reason that things are not right, is because outside forces are acting on us to make us do the wrong things. My little boys, I've got five boys and one little girl. The little girl might be the toughest of all of them. But the, the little boys are always bickering and arguing, and sometimes they wrestle and they fight each other, right? And so sometimes I'll come up to my little son, Benjamin, and I'll say, Benjamin, why did you hit justice? And he would say, justice made me do it, right? He'll point to his brother and he said, he, he, he was being annoying and he was playing on the piano so loud and I couldn't hear, so I had to hit him, right? He wanted to believe that the reason he did something sinful was because something outside of him made him do that sinful thing. And we often like to put the blame for our mistakes and the things that we do wrong, our sin, we like to put it somewhere other than on ourselves, you know, who, who gets a lot of the blame? The devil, right? The devil made me do it. I'm, I'm usually a really good person, but this devil out here is tempting me and tricking me. And so he, he convinced me to do something's wrong. So it's his fault. But Jesus says, listen and understand. It's very important for them to catch this here. It's not what goes into the person that defiles him. It's not these outside forces that makes us wicked. Now, if that's the case, if it's not what is outside that comes into us and makes us sin, then is the solution for sin keeping ourselves away from everything that's outside? It's not the solution. If those things aren't what defile us, if those aren't the things that make us wicked, then the the answer is not a bunch of more laws. The answer is not keeping yourself away from the people who broke the laws. What do we know about Jesus? Did Jesus, who was perfectly pure and who always did the will of the Lord, did he stay away from all the sinners? Did he insulate himself and just hang out with the the holy kids all the time? No, he was with the thieves and the tax collectors. And he was with the prostitutes and with those who were wretched and had serious problems. And in another scripture, he says, it's because the physician doesn't come to heal those who are healthy. The physician comes to heal those who are sick, right? So he would spend time around these wretched people, these sinners. 
But it's also because he knew that being around them wasn't going to make him sinful necessarily. It's what's inside of you that makes you sinful. Listen to some, uh, some more words that come from Jesus here. Verse 17, And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. They didn't understand what he was saying. They were confused too because all of those disciples came from that Jewish background. So they thought, wow, we're supposed to keep these diet laws. We're supposed to be very careful about what we eat. And he said to them in verse 18, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? And I don't think you need me to explain what that means, right? When you eat food, your body processes and get rid of it. It's, it doesn't get to your heart. And then he said, what comes out of a person, that is what defiles him. For within, out of the heart of man, come, and then he lists a number of things. Listen to this list. This is what comes from the heart of man. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. What Jesus was really trying to help the people who had gathered to hear him speak that day, what he really wanted them to understand was that there is a serious problem. There is a wickedness that needs to be cleansed from us. There is a, a, a critical need for purity. But that need doesn't come because we live in a broken world. The world's a broken place because human beings are broken and sinful. And we fill up the world with these kinds of things that proceed out of our hearts. So your solution is not going to be something outside. Your solution has to be something inside. Salvation from the Lord is not God just coming along and picking you up and dusting the little things off the outside of you that make you look dirty, straightening your clothes and sending you on your way. Salvation is God confronting each one of us with the reality that we are lawbreakers by nature. That our hearts, ever since Adam sinned against God in the, in the garden, the first man, our hearts are prone to wander. They want to do what is wrong. And out of our hearts come wickedness. So the solution is not an external problem. It's not some kind of medicine. It's not a better set of laws. The solution is a new heart. And that's what brings us back to last week's lesson in the book of Hebrews. I, I don't like to just teach something and then move along from it because we often need to hear things more than once before it really settles into our hearts and our minds, okay? So this is from Hebrews chapter 10. And it says, let us draw near with a sincere heart. What's he talking about here? He's going back to the heart. The writer of Hebrews knew that's teaching from Jesus. And he understood that the heart is really the source of the problem. And it can also be where God brings the cure. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, faith in Jesus, hang, or having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast our confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Do you know, when you look at the words here, does it say, 
go and wash your hearts. Is that what it says there? The word of God is so precise. God never wastes a word in his scripture. The book that I teach you from each week, it's always the same book. It's the Bible. The Bible is God's message to us. And he delivered it us to us through the hands of faithful prophets and apostles. But they're not those, those words don't belong to the prophets and they don't belong to the apostles. They're God's words delivered to you and to me. So when it says here, having our hearts sprinkled, that, that's indicating there that you're not the one who's going to clean your heart. You're, you don't have the ability to take away all of your desires that are so sinful. You don't have the ability to make your heart pure and clean and right. There is only one who can do that. You could follow all the rules that you want in an effort to clean your heart, but guess what? Those rules are outside of you. We need a God who has the power to change what is inside of us. When Christ came to this earth, when God took on a human flesh, human body, He walked in all of the ways that we could not walk. He showed us that Though all the people in the world have a sinful heart inside of them, that God has nothing sinful in him. So when God took on flesh, he lived perfectly pure. He lived holy and good. He was constantly loving and righteous and true. And in keeping all of the laws, he didn't accumulate any debt for himself. God was never angry with him. In fact, God spoke from heaven and said, Behold, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. So this Jesus who owed nothing in the way of of penalties for sin, was willing to go and take our penalty for sin and put it on his own shoulders and to die in our place so that our hearts might be washed with pure water. The only pure water that can wash our hearts and make us clean is the, is the Savior Jesus Christ and the work that he did. I stand before you today as a Christian. I profess to follow after Christ And let me tell you this, I'm not a Christian and I'm not a pastor and I'm not somebody who tries to do what is good because I'm better than anybody else in the world. I'm just a wretched sinner like everyone else is. I have a heart that wants to wander. I have a heart that if it wasn't washed clean by God, evil things would be pouring out of it all the time. But I praise God that though I am a sinful person, he interfered with my life. He came down and stopped me in my tracks and showed me my need for Christ. And made me put my faith in Jesus. That is this hope that doesn't waver. My faith now is not in what I can do. It's not in who I am. My faith is in the Son of God who is pure from the inside out. And He has, by His great work, made many pure. I I hope and I pray today that what is wicked in you is not something that you'll try to hide. Or you'll try to blame on someone else. Because there's always somebody else that we can look to and say, that's the reason I'm wrong. If it wasn't for that person, I'd be better. But if we're honest with ourselves, if we'll let the Lord open our eyes to the truth, we know that if nobody else tempted us, if there was, if there was no outside forces acting on us at all, we would still do what was wrong. It is only the work of Jesus Christ that can come in and turn our hearts around and take this dead heart of stone and make it alive again. Give us a heart of flesh, a heart that is soft and humble and willing to receive the instruction that God has given and to give us the strength to walk in the paths of light.
So we're grateful to be able to gather together with you. We're grateful to be able to point you to this Christ. And we pray that if you have any questions about him or about how to know him and have faith in him, that you'll spend some time with us today. You'll spend some time talking with us. Ask us your questions. We'd love to have conversations. I'm not the only one here who can help you. We've got Dale. We've got Christine. We've got Greg. We've got lots of folks who would love to just sit and talk with you and get to know you. And you'll be here probably for a little while. The way that our system works.